scary ghosts, creepy serial killers, all things that go bump in the night. Enjoy the view from the open shutters. <laughs> Hi, Creeps. I'm Barry Marino. I'm Philip Landry. And welcome to another episode of Open Shutters Goes Where? To, to the, the movies. movies! And uh, last time, uh, we, we're, we're finishing up what is known as the Unholy Trinity of, like, like from 1968 to 1976, of the three big devil movies. The first one was Rosemary's Baby, which we covered last week. And the second one was The Omen, which we covered two weeks ago. But you know which one we're covering tonight? Probably the most popular and most famous of them all the devil yes. movies ever made. Yeah. 1973's The Exorcist. Written by William Freakin. Direct, directed by William Freakin. Written by William Peter Blatty. And is based on the novel by William Peter Blatty. Starring Ellen Burstyn, Max von Sydow, Lee J. Cobb, Kitty Wynn, Jason McGo Jack McLowan, Jason Miller, and Linda Blair as Reagan. <laughs> <laughs> she figures really, really big into the storyline. Now, you, uh, you know, I'm going to tell you a little something. I actually remember when this came out. And when it first came out, it was a really big deal. First of all, it was a novel that I kept on seeing at, at the... Uh, they, oh, they called it the B. Dalton Bookseller. It was like the Barnes and Noble. Oh, it was in the I used to love the B. Dalton. Yeah, and they have another one uh, called uh, Walden Books. Oh, yeah. I, f I think that was actually owned by the Walmart people. <laughs> I'm not sure. We also had a third one in the Lake Forest Plaza, which was the closest mall in my house. There's no longer Hurricane Katrina ate it. But it was called Benedet Benedetto's. Benedito's. And it was, um, it was a similar... Uh, you know, bookstore and novelties and mm. things like that, just like the other two. Mm. But I always used, would see the book, and at first I thought it said extortion, the extortionist. Because <laughs> that was around the time that, uh... What was on your mind, Barry? Well, okay. Was, that was around the time The Godfather came out, and I figured it was another oh, oh. another mops, mafia film. But then, uh... It, Somebody pointed out that's not extortionist, that's exorcist. I was like, oh, yeah, wait. You must have had a little dyslexic moment there. And, um, we, <laughs> <laughs> and it, uh, it, it, you know, it was a horror movie about a 12 year old girl being possessed by the demon. So, uh, in, by 1973, they invaded a movie, and before anybody ever saw the movie, before it even came out, they were all talking about how intense it is, and how scary it is, and how. You know, nobody should go see it. It was even it, it was even rated X. It was rated R, but it was even rated X in some in some cities in some in some states. Can you believe that? And uh, do you uh, were you you see you weren't born yet during this time? No, this was about probably about eight years before. Yeah, and I read the book. Well, nineteen seventy three, seven years. I read the book before the movie even came out, and um, Ellen Burstyn was pretty much fairly unknown at this time, and Linda Blair, so was Linda Blair. I mean, Max von Sydow, we knew him from The Emigrants and, and, and Hawaii, and of course, Lee J. Cobb played all kinds of cops on TV, and Kitty Wynn had been in a nighttime soap called Beacon Hill with... Uh, that uh, it ran, ran on Monday nights and it didn't make it at all. It was kind of like a Downton Abbey type of show. It was costume and set set in the 1920s or something like that. And nobody, I never, Jason Miller was basically a playwright. So anyway, let's we get down to the little synopsis of The Exorcist. The, the, the action begins, first of all, in northern Iraq. And this old man who turns out is a priest, Father Marin, uncovers some artifacts that or demonic in origin. You know a little bit about what that is, Philip? Oh yeah. Why don't you give us a little heads up on that? So about oh, but the uh, well, specifically what he was doing, or how he well, basically he was exploring basically artifacts for. I mean, he was looking at demonology. He was trying to uncover um, these things in northern Iraq. 
it's debatable this this scene about how they may have stretched that a little bit but yeah i mean they're definitely in old mysticism demons at times would have been thought of as some level of gods and there would have been a level of working with them a lot more respect than what how it was handled later you know um but as a priest he would have he would have he would have known this you know of course christianity changes the scope of how we view demons yeah well anyway the thing about it is the the thing i remember about the the plot in the beginning is he's digging these things and they're showing all these different people you know it's obvious and at the very very end of the scene he comes in contact with this giant statue of the demon. Oh yeah, and there's dogs. There's a dog fight going on at the same time. It's it's pretty uh, it's pretty intense. So from there, when that's over, we we cut to Georgetown, outside yes. Washington. That's a suburb in Washington D.C., isn't it? Is yes. Where Georgetown University yeah, Georgetown is. University there. And um, yeah, it's a university town, I guess you'd call it, and uh. Lady of Reagan McNeil, no, Reagan McNeil is the daughter, excuse me. Senior moment, <laughs> Chris McNeil is a film actress and she's studying her script and she hears some kind of rumbling in her attic. Oh, yeah. So she goes to the room and her little girl's sleeping and she kisses her and the room's really cold because she has a window open. So she closes the window. So the next morning, she. The next morning, she. Uh, the next morning, I've gotten a little bit distracted here. The next morning, the, the maid and the butler, who were, I guess they were a couple, weren't they, huh? Did they ever expressly say that? I guess they were. But yeah, because a lot of people we have back in those days, they yeah. would hire couples yeah. to work for them. They hire like older couples that when the man would town, tend to the grounds and the, do the repairs and everything, and the woman was the housekeeper and she's cooking breakfast. And she tells him, Carl is his name, that there's rats in the cell, and he's insisting they aren't. And she says, oh, yes, they are. So he just, she tells him, just put some traps out. So the next thing we see, she's filming her movie. That's the next part, right? Yes. And she's filming some scene. It looks like it's... It looks like it would be a, something that was set in the 60s. There's a protest on the campus and all these other things. Oh, yes. And when, she, when, when they wrap up for the day... Well, she talks to Burke Dennings, who's her producer, and it seems like he's got like a really filthy mouth, doesn't it? Fairly, yeah. He says, <laughs> well, pretty much. She's yeah. worrying about something, saying something in the script doesn't make sense. He says, take it up with the writer, and she says, well, where is he? She says, he says, he's in Europe. She goes, is he hiding? She says, no, he's fucking. <laughs> and, the pre- and there's a priest, in the, a young priest in the audience that laughs. So anyway, uh, she's walking home and she sees the young priest again. Now, where did it go from here? The um, now the cut we saw there are several cuts of the movie. Let me explain that a little bit at first. Um, the cut we saw was the thea- was the director's cut, which was re-released, I believe, in two thousand. Yeah, I think it was even an extended dire- an extended director's cut. Yeah, and they always they called it the version you've never seen extended because it had some extra scenes in it, which we are going to talk about. But anyway, uh, she comes home after she after after it's over, and we see well, that's when we first meet Reagan and Sharon, her played by Kitty Wynn. Uh, by the way, uh, Chris McNeil is played by Ellen Burstyn, who today is a pretty A-list actress. But back then she was basically unknown, and then she won an Oscar for Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore, and she became a big star. But anyway, um, so we meet uh, Kitty Wynn as Sharon, and Linda Blair as Reagan. And, they, you know, she wants, she, she's just a typical little girl. She acts just like a little girl. You know, just like a little twelve-year-old girl. You know how they kind of—they're sort of—they don't know what to say. Oh, I don't know what to say. She almost don't kind of shy, <laughs> right? And um, she, when she's not looking, she grabs the cookies and runs from it. It looks like it's just—I guess she wasn't supposed to have them, but she grabs them anyway. And the mom runs behind her and is trying to get them back and tickling her and everything. 
Actually, maybe even a little bit sickening if you think about it. <laughs> so that night, she uh, takes, um, she puts Reagan to bed, and Reagan tells her it's a birthday, and she goes, "Oh, you can bring Mr. Dennings." And he says, "She says no." Well, don't you like him? She says, well, yeah, I like him as a friend, more or less, is what she told him. <laughs> so the, the, the girl's thinking that that's her boyfriend, but he wasn't really. So anyway, later, is there anything that happened in between now and then? We got Father Karras, who was played by Jason Miller. And he goes back to his old neighborhood where his mother lives in, which can't be more than, what, a tenement? Pretty much, yeah. And she's an old, she and she's a Greek immigrant. She you know, she speaks with a real heavy accent. Speaks half in Greek and half in English, kind of like my grandparents and even even my mom to a certain extent. They used to speak half in Italian and half in English sometimes. <laughs> and they thought they used to speak Italian when they didn't want us to know what they were saying, but they didn't realize that we heard it so much we knew what they were saying. <laughs> it's just. It's funny, you know, you've got fooling your kids, people. Now, now you're reminding me of my great-grandfather. He spoke in English with us. He spoke in French with the old people. And he only spoke Italian when he absolutely wanted to say something that nobody else would know what he was saying. Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> that's what my mom would do. And, then, and, and, you know, like if she wanted to say, if she wanted to, like, as you call, throw some shade at somebody without them knowing she was doing it, exactly. she would say it in Italian. <laughs> And one of the things is Dalaida, which means look at her. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Ida and Edu was made, in Sicilian is, is uh, him. So anyway, um, she's uh, you know she feeds him a little bit, and he's telling her he wants her you know to go somewhere else. But I mean, he's a priest. It seems that he gave up a really lucrative psychiatric practice to become a priest. Which means he didn't have a family, no. he didn't have any money, and his, his poor mother had to live because in squalor. He took the, yeah, because he took the vow of poverty. Because he took the vow of poverty. So he's he starting to question his faith here. Because he's in the bar later on and he tells uh, the other priest that he's losing his faith. Mm. So anyway, meanwhile, Reagan's starting to act kind of crazy, isn't she? Yeah, Slowly. Yeah, she's starting to exhibit signs. And they, and so Chris actually takes her to the doctor to figure out what's going on wrong. And she's doing all these bizarre things. You remember what she was doing in, in the doctor's office? She would be really sweet one minute, and then she'd go, No, I don't want it. Like, well, and some could say that's just a teenager. You know? <laughs> well, and that's what they tried to claim. It was just hormones. and. But she was starting to get really, really crazy. And she and, and, and the doctor asks Chris if she... Now, this is an added scene because we are doing the director's cut, also known as a version you never heard. This wasn't in the original theatrical cut. Uh, she tells the doctor to keep his goddamn fingers away from her cunt. Yes! No. They don't. We don't see her saying that, but the doctor relays it back to Chris, yeah. and Chris actually kind of laughs. She kind of thinks it's funny, <laughs> but she can't understand where she got that mouth from. You know, even though Chris, I guess she's hanging out with sailors. I don't know. <laughs> he, 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 I don't know. No, I don't know. The mom used to drop f bombs all over the place. So, you right. know. They did cut one line out of the original. Where she was on the phone, she was mad at the um, Reagan's listening. She was mad at her ex-husband because he didn't call on her birthday. Mm. And there was a line where she tells the operator, "I've been on this fucking line for twenty minutes," but they they cut that out because they because they put the part in about her saying with the cunt. So we, you know, she's saying like where she got such a dirty mouth from. Well, you would say well, she got it from mom, you know. Pretty much. So anyway. Um, it goes on, and uh, so getting back to Father Karras, his mother dies. And Reagan, uh, Chris is having a party with an astronaut, and a priest, and all these different people. It's just your typical 70s party. I love that, that 70s periwinkle dress number. She, I think it was periwinkle. It was a pretty, yeah, it was pretty, pretty like blue with a little violet like tinge purple, to it. Purplish blue. Yeah, it was pretty. How was, uh, and anyway, uh, you saw you were made fun of that woman's hairstyle. I had the, um, 
that looked like some goddamn dog ears hanging down on them. That just just got with the pixie do. It was just wrong. I know Burke has a dirty mouth too because he's going like I got alien pubic hair in my drink. Oh yeah, <laughs> where'd you get the alien pubic hair, honey? I never saw it before. He's telling this woman, and then like, oh my and then God. he gets right, and then he he starts calling Carl because Carl's from and Carl and Minnie the. The couple, they're Swiss. They're not German. But he keeps on calling them a Nazi and a fucking Oh, gosh, I know. And he almost gets into a fight with them. They have to pull Carl off of him, which I would just pretty much ignore an old drunk like that, you know, unless he came up to me and put his hands on me, then I'd knock him out. But anyway, they finally have to get him in. When I first saw the movie and when she said, your car's at the curb, I thought they were putting him in a car to drive away. But this time I realized... What you bet by your cars at the curb is it was a limo. Yeah. It was it was a hired car that she had for him. It wasn't he would they would make him drive like that. Yeah. All right. More stuff for Reagan. You know she's getting uh, she's getting worse. They have her doing all kinds of tests, which is really I thought was the scariest. Wait, things. did you mention about the piano scene? Oh, I'm forgetting. This. You okay. cannot forget the piano. The piano police, scene. The police is pay, playing the piano, and Reagan comes down and looks up at the astronaut and tells him, "You're gonna die up there." And then she pees on the carpet. Okay. And they actually show her feet and the pee coming out for out of her. Nightgown. The poor housekeeper had to try to clean that goddamn baby. I out saw the that. I know. I know. It, it was. It, I would not have wanted her job. Bless her. So they, you know, she she bathes Reagan and puts her in the in bed, and she's oh, mom, what's wrong with me? That's another thing too. You remember you were talking. You wanted to mention the doctor prescribed Ritalin. Oh gosh, yeah. There's. I think. And that was about when. That was right at the beginning when they started prescribing they, Ritalin to kids. And it was part of like. I still think. It's there was an over prescribing. It's also like there's some things, some documentaries you can read about where they've tried to claim ADD, ADHD, all these things they created. Some of these illnesses really got formed around the drug Ritalin, okay, and the prescribing of it, the over prescribing of it. Yeah, which really affected an entire generation. So, kind of looking back at the exodus is like, whoa, you know. You can see they're kind of pushing that drug even in that movie, like, or at least it's being mentioned about how it's being pushed, you know? Yeah. And uh, also... Um, and also Thorazine is mentioned, too. So they give, I mean, these tests, these 1970s uh, oh medical tests God, they're look brutal. They're horrible now, but that must have been... that was The spinal tap. Did they? Uh, give, I wonder. Did they give Ray, Linda Blair an actual spinal tap for that? Because she looked like she was really in pain. I hope not. I mean, who wants to go through that for a movie? I mean, there's there's a lot you do for art, but God damn, that was too. Oh my God, they did. It's here in this. In here. They really did. It says the scenes involving Reagan's medical tests were filmed at New York University Medical Center <gasps> and were performed by actual medical staff. That normally carried out the procedure. Oh, oh. that's why it looks so fucking real. She's oh, actually crazy. going through that. The uh. one day I took that one. One day that little girl turned so fucked up later in life. What the <laughs> hell? So anyway, um, they do all these like horrible tests, and I was I was feeling the, the spinal. I was squirming. I was squirming. Was scarier than any devil stuff in them. <laughs> I actually think, yeah, because I think that was the only time I really cringed was when they, oh, I was like, ah. Oh. You know me, I enjoyed the devil shit. So, so anyway, <laughs> we, um, she's getting really, really worse and worse and worse. And Karis is getting more, feeling more guilty about his mother, uh, uh, his mother dying and him not being there. So, um. Eventually, she uh, they they go. That somebody oh yeah that's right. What's her name? Uh, Kitty. Yes. Sharon. Yes. Kitty Wynn. She sends um. She lets Burke stay there while she was going to get the medicine, and he leaves the little girl alone, and the child is left all by herself. Oh, she comes home and, kid, and, and and Sharon went to get the medicine. That's right. 
And then somebody comes over and they tell Chris that Burke's dead, that he fell, he had an accident, he fell down the flight of stairs and broke his neck. We later find out that his head was turned completely around. Yup. That's where they got the idea for Death Becomes as hap- that happened in the middle of the street. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, getting back to it, Reagan's just getting worse and worse and worse. So this cop talks to Father Karras. And he definitely, I swear to God, I think William Peter Blatty watched some Columbo. Because his style was very Columbo, that little cat and mouse game thing oh, that he's God. playing. And uh, he's talking to Father Karras, and he's talking about how he wants to see the movies and everything. I even thought that when I read the book, that he was very Columbo. And so um, that's when we find out that Burke Denning's head is turned completely around. So then at another point, Chris finds a crucifix in Reagan's bed. She doesn't know who oh, put it there. She going around asking everybody. Right, right, no, we, did, I, they, we never did actually find out who put that there, did we? I don't think they did. And, oh, another thing, too. You remember the church, the desecration? The church that's like right right around the corner from their house or something. Somebody put boobs and what looked like a penis on the bloody blessed mother. A horny dick. On the blessed mother statue. And, um... When, uh... One of the parts I've, I've skipped over was when Reagan shows... Chris, the Ouija board. Oh. <laughs> and she says, a Captain Howdy, she asks him the questions and he gives the answers. And and when Ray, when Chris tries to touch it, the, the Blanchett moves. Uh, so, that's a kind of a sign of things to come. And the desecration on the statues was made with the same clay Reagan had when she made her little bird statue. Oh, yeah. So anyway, um, so let's get back to where we were. The the policeman, Lieutenant Kinderman, comes to uh, Chris's house and tells her different things and asks for her autograph. This is very Columbo, too, when he says, I want your autograph for my daughter. And she says, oh, what's her name? He goes, oh, well, I lied. It's for me. That was very Columbo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right there. So just about when that happens, she goes upstairs and Reagan is just... We forgot about the bed shaking, too. You remember the bed starts shaking? The bed starts shaking, and she goes in, and she tells the doctor that the bed was shaking, and the doctor says, Your daughter's problem isn't her bed, it's her brain. All these doctors were so aggravated. I know, they were really really young. So then um, she goes there, and she's jumping up and down, and records are flying, and, and... they finally, uh, yeah, she, she gets up and says, fuck me, fuck me. And, then, and she starts talking in that voice, which was actually dubbed by Mercedes McCambridge, an old actress from the 50s. She One of the, one of the things she was known for was Giant with um, Elizabeth Taylor and Rock Hudson. She played Rock Hudson's sister. And she was kind of butch. And she also was, uh, did you ever see Johnny Guitar, the only Western, uh, the only talking Western that Joan Crawford ever made. Oh goodness! Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. She's 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 the enemy in that one. <laughs> so anyway, um, <laughs> Chris is just at the end of her rope. She doesn't know which way to turn. Finally, at some point, Reagan gets violent with her and smacks her and throws her and against the wall and the door shuts and won't let anybody in and the dresser tries to to crush her and. So I think that's when she finally decides this girl needs an exorcist. Oh, well. Because they told her that, the doctors told her that they couldn't find anything wrong with her. They even hypnotized her and she grabbed the man by the nuts. The, the psychiatrist. Oh, God, that was crazy. Yeah. All those stupid doctors, they didn't know what to do. So anyway, Miss um, <clears throat> Miss Reagan... Gets you realize her, that is a metaphor, grabbing the nuts of a psychiatrist who's... Like it's the nuts or nuts, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's, that sounds about right. But you remember where, um, where the, uh, the, the where she she goes to talk to Father Karras? Yes. 
The doctor, they had told her they couldn't find anything wrong with the, with her brain. She had no lesions, nothing wrong with her. She was totally normal. And they suggest that she might believe that she's possessed and that she should get an exorcist. So, she goes to Father Karras. And, well, of course, he's resistant at first. And she takes her back to takes him back to the house, and now Reagan is tied up, and Reagan is looking pretty rugged, isn't she? At this point, <laughs> rugged, <laughs> ratchet almost. And she's speaking in this man's voice. Oh yes, and she tells him, um, "I'm the devil." He says, "Well, if you," she and she's telling him to undo. They have a tie down to undo the straps, and he says, "Well, if you." The devil won't just make them disappear. And he says, that's a vulgar display of power. <laughs> this is one of those those lines from, from The Exorcist that everybody remembers. So, um, he asks her, what's his mother's babe name? And I guess the demon didn't know because she threw up green stuff all over him. They say it was pea soup, but I always thought it looked like green paint. And you said it looked like that sludge that they used in the slime 80s, on Nickelodeon on the Nickelodeon '80s movies. So anyway, uh, Father Karras takes it to the council. The council suggests Father Marin, who happens to be the priest that we saw in the beginning. Yeah. Now he comes to um, to the house and there's an iconic scene where the cab drops him off and he's standing outside the house. That is probably one of the. You're right. It's not just iconic. It's just. It's also the poster. It's an amazing piece of film. The, everything it's a, about the same that. image is used on the poster. So um, he goes. You know, he comes in. The exorcism begins. They're, they're throwing things out at her, throwing holy water at her, throwing prayers at her. Nothing seems to be working, does it? Oh, yeah, they had that. I love the whole, what you mentioned, the holy water. They got that special bottle of the holy, wasn't that when they had the special, they had the special bottle of the holy water with the cross on there? Yeah. I never did understand what makes it holy water. They say that it's blessed. Well, but just a priest saying a few words, or it's no certain kind of blend to anything. I know, no, there's a blend to it. They put, um, there's different. I think, well, I don't know how. I think it's a standard for it, but I do know things like I think frankincense goes in there, myrrh, kind of like and there's salt things, and extra salt. Which you remember was some of the oils that were brought. Because you ever go to the Catholic Church and you kind but of but you shouldn't. It, it's salty. You should not ingest holy water. No. There was a crazy bitch that was putting holy water in her food and her stuff thinking it was going to bless her ass. It's like, honey, there are things in the holy water. You should not ingest holy water. Well, what happened to her? Who knows? But maybe oh, somebody you knew? No, no. I can't, I can't go into too much detail, but I'm just about it. Oh, from... somebody I know, too. No, 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 no. It's not that reason. Certain confidence, really. You know who came to mind. I can't. Oh, no, 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 no. But it wasn't anybody you really know. It's somebody I know. Nobody you know. But if we can't for reality reasons, I can't go anywhere. But yeah, there is oils. There is things in, that are in the Like essential oil. oils. And so stuff people in. do not consume holy water. You can put it on your skin. It's safe for skin. It's. I promise you. I did taste it already from the little... To see what it tastes like. It has a saltiness to it. You know, and I mean, in the case, I mean, don't go too internal. I mean, then go drinking the whole glass of it and put it in my food. I mean, don't go try to, I was gonna don't, be be, don't try to refresh the Puswatcha with holy water. You know what I'm saying? I mean, okay, good. Well, we all got to do that. Uh, <laughs> so, um, eventually, you know, they're going to go through the whole exorcism and anything. We know what happens. More sludge gets vomited up, you know. She spits in the father's face this big old yellow glob or whatever the hell it was supposed to be. <laughs> that was some demon spoons. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess it was. <laughs> That's gross. And then, um, so, finally, <sighs> poor old Father Baron goes in the bathroom and uh, he goes in the bathroom to take his uh, nitroglycerin pill. And he comes out 
and I guess you know Father Karras was taking a little break, and Chris asks him, uh, "Is it over?" She he said, "Not yet." She says, "Is is she gonna die?" And he kind of looked and he said, "No." And I took it that that's what he when he told her that he decided he was definitely gonna save this little girl that she was, she you know she she was worth saving, so. Which is pretty much what he does. I tell you, he comes back in, and Father Marin's had a heart attack. He's dead, and he can't revive him. So he gets all pissed, and he attacks the demon Reagan thing, and tells him, if you're so tough, come in me. And he does. And poor Reagan's back to herself again, and she's crying, and there's possessed Father Karras trying to grab her and kill her, but what happens is, is Father Karras is the real Father Karras gets strong enough to throw himself out the window, the same stairwell where Burke Dennings fell from. No. So, Reagan saved, and Father Karras is dead. Both of the priests died in it, in this exorcism. And at the end, uh, Chris and Reagan are moving out, and. Um, she tells him that she tells the, the father Karras's son, the guy, the the priest that was playing the piano at the house, that Reagan doesn't remember anything, and he says, "Well, baby, it's, that's good. Keep it that way." But when Reagan sees father and she sees the priest and she sees his collar, she reaches up and kisses him. Hmm, I did see that. And then it stops, and then they leave him, but they stop, and she gives him father Karras's medal religious medal and he tells her to keep it and this is where it ended before he was just looking and the, and the credits came up but they had this this time they added a little bit to it in the director's cut you see the original theatrical one it ended right there and uh detective kinderman comes up to him and they have a little you know a little dialogue and then he starts talking about the movies <laughs> And, you know, he gets passes to the movies. And he goes, come on, I'll buy you some lunch. And, uh, and that's where it ends there. It gave, gave, the, gave us a little closure on those characters. So anyway, we are going to take a short break. And we're going to put a little add-on in between. And then we will be right back with our rating. And discussing some of the, the technical and all the different... Uh, types of what am I trying to say here Philip all production the casting, production quality and everything the casting. and the casting we're gonna talk about the, the performances and everything and we will be right back as some of you may remember and if you do to our podcast I have another business that has finally become live on the internet it's Barry Marino's craft creations I have made afghans, hats, scarves, and much more. And more coming weekly. Great thing is, we sell holiday items all year round. So you don't have to wait till that special time of the year to order what you will like and enjoy. Thanks to our Roz, it's an easy, interactive website to see what has been put on the internet. And after a long wait, finally, we got the Gentilly Lace line of candles live. We have wonderful scents for any household or just for the season. Also, be on the lookout for our Christmas and New Year's holiday candles. And guess what? Our seasonal candles will have something a little special in them. A little out of the ordinary, but we have put charms in the candles. From king cake babies for Bonnie Gras to champagne flutes for New Year's. So look out for our website, BarryMarinosCraftCreations.com. That's B-A-R-R-Y-M-A-R-I-N-O-C-R-A-F-T-C-R-E-A-T-I-O-N-S.com. All right, Creepsers, we're back. And um, we're going to talk a little bit about this movie and its production and uh, its original release was in uh, 1973. When was it? When, when was that date again? I had mentioned earlier that it was um, it was rated R, but some places rated it X. 
And it was uh, released on, oh, yeah, they say it right here, December 26th, 1973. They released it the day after Christmas. It's kind of, since it's about the devil. <laughs> That's kind of odd. <laughs> I know it didn't get wide release until 1974. But um, I just remember, we're going to talk a little bit about. Um, they could have gave a good motto there. Jesus had his day the day before, and now devil has his day, 26. <laughs> So anyway, uh, this is, it was it was written by uh, uh, um, uh, um, William Peter Blatty, who at one time was a seminary student, who actually was going to become a priest, and it was based on a fourteen-year-old boy. I believe it was in Kentucky. Did you know? Do you know or not? That sounds that sounds about right. Yeah, and um, I'll be honest, I've never actually read the book. Ah, I'm admitting that. No, <laughs> I've seen the movies. So the book isn't. Um, the book's really not in print much anymore. The movie is is what's keeping the story alive. Right. But um, the, the casting, um, they didn't want to. It wasn't really easy to cast this movie, and they had considered Stacy Keach, you know, from Road Games, <laughs> as okay. Father Karras. And for um, and they went and then they also had considered Marlon Brando. And uh, the studio wanted Marlon Brando in the role of Father Marin, the old priest. I'm actually glad they didn't go with all of that because I mean, at the time, he yeah, I mean, he had... and they said it would become a Marlon Brando movie. That's why William Freakin, the, the director, uh, ob uh, objected to Marlon Brando, mm -hmm. and also Jack Nicholson was up for. The Karras part before Stacy Keach, but uh, Freakin Freakin saw Jason Miller in the play he had written, the Championship Season, and that's when he knew he had his father Karras. Now there were many A-list actresses that were that were uh, that were considered for the role of Chris, and Freakin wanted Audrey Hepburn. I can't imagine Audrey Hepburn swearing like that. No. I'm sure she did. And then he looked at Anne Bancroft. Mm. And Shirley MacLaine was also considered, even though the uh, character was... Um, I can see Shirley MacLaine in the role, if necessary, but I love but Ellen the, the, the reason why you can see Shirley MacLaine in the role is because the character of Chris is based on Shirley exactly, MacLaine. Exactly, yeah. That's why you could see her. But uh, Ellen Burstyn got it. Ellen Burstyn did amazing. She phoned William Frequent and stated that she was destined to play it. She knew, she read the book and that she wanted to play that role. And she got it. Um, now the supporting roles, they, uh, Max von Sydow, uh, is a Swedish actor and they, uh, that's when he thought about uh, Gerald Lassinger Harding was his, was the inspiration for, um, for Father Marin and Freakin saw the sort of Max von Sydow right away. And then uh, he got uh, Lee J. Cobb. He, Vladdy and Freakin just happened to talk to him, some, run into him somewhere. That's how he got cast. And both uh, Father William O'Malley was, a, was an actual Jesuit priest who played the Father Dyer, the friend. Now, Reagan, they had a, little, a lot of problems casting that. And. Um, Few uh, actresses were known. Uh, one of them was Pamela Ferdin. You know who she is. Pamela Ferdin played a lot of children in the late '60s and the early '70s on TV sitcoms. She actually played um, Felix Unger's daughter on the Odd Couple, and she had done some supernatural and science fiction films. And they also um, April Winchell, who I don't really know, was considered, but. Another one that was con strongly considered was Denise Nickerson. She's the one who played Violet Beauregard in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate no. Factory. And Amy Jennings on Dark Shadows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and another uh, young actress that was considered was Anissa Jones, who played Buffy in Family Affair. And um, she was rejected mainly because... They were too. She and Pamela Ferdinand were rejected because they were too familiar with the public and too known 
and they had too much of a too much of a wholesome image. Both of these girls, even though Anissa Jones was nothing but wholesome, she wanted but to see, drug, the right choice being a drug made. addict and and a teenage prostitute and everything. But the right choice was made because Linda Blair, you need. Because uh, compared to all these ones you're saying, if they were in previous yeah. roles, we would have, it would have been. See, this is the thing. Sometimes what you're bringing up is what directors like to do, especially when it comes to a kid. You don't want to use a kid that's famous for something else. Yeah. Sometimes because it'll take away. Just like sometimes even with with the with the adult actors, you don't want to do that. You know. Mm-hmm. So in this case, it really worked out because you focused on the character and not the actor, which was important. Now. Um... They also, you know, they, um, so when he interviewed, he was interviewing women as old as 16, young girls as old as 16, but when Linda Blair's mother came in unannounced to the New York office with Linda, and the agency, uh, the agency representing Linda had not sent her for the part, but she had previously met with Warner Brother Pictures, the casting department with Friedkin. And both mother and daughter impressed the director so much that she wound up getting the role. They said she was cute but not beautiful, normal, happy twelve-year-old girl, and that's pretty much what she looked like in the yeah. re- you know in, in in the beginning parts. Uh, now the voice of the demon. They kind of they, they were trying to keep the twelve-year-old girl from trying to use that language, but then it became impossible. She had to say the words that would match. But they cast Mercedes McCambridge, who was an actress I mentioned had mentioned early in the show. She played the two movies that she'd be most known for is Johnny Guitar, and she plays Emma, who was Vienna, played by Joan Crawford's enemy. And it turned out they were enemies in real life because Joan Crawford <laughs> didn't like her anymore, and she liked Betty Davis. Love. And, and, and then she played Elizabeth Taylor's sister-in-law, who was overwhelming and controlling in Giant. So anyway, um, the uh, the opening sequence was filmed uh, in and near the city of Mosul, Iraq, and the temperatures during the day there reached 130 degrees, so it limited sh- shootings to early mornings and evenings. And uh, the stairs that were uh, were padded with half-inch thick rubber. To film the death of uh, Father Damien Karras. Another thing, too, there was another actress by the name of Eileen Diaz who stood in for Linda Blair in the crucifix scene. I guess they didn't want to show, have a 12 year old girl actually masturbating with a crucifix. So. Oh, I know. <laughs> and um, that and was most, a bloody mo- mess most of the things that were filmed in. Um, in um, in and around Georgetown. And the Father Merrill's arriving scene, which is very, very iconic, it was filmed on Max von Sydow's first day of work at the scene where the elderly priest steps out of a cab and stands in front of the McNeil residence, silhouetted in a misty street lamp's glow and staring up at a beam of light from the bedroom window. as the most famous scene in the movie. And the shot was used for film posters and DVD VHS release covers the scene and the, fo- and the photo were inspired by a 1954 painting, Empire of Light, by René Mar- Marguerite. Uh, now, you remember the spider walk scene? You saw that, right? Oh, down the stairs. That yes. was that was ke- taken out. That wasn't shown in the original. It was deleted in the original uh, theatrical release. It was performed by a stunt woman named Ann Miles. And... Um, he deleted the scene, and Blatty wanted to keep it in there. Right before the premiere, he judged the scene, and he said it came too early in the film's plot. But in the book, the spider walk is more muted, consistent of Reagan following Sharon all around and near the floor, and flickering the snake-like tongue at her ankles. Ooh, I remember that. The table of this version, <laughs> the scene was filmed but went unused. And the blood flowing from her mouth was inserted in the two thousand dollar, two thousand director's cuts. Uh, sound effects. They, they won, actually won an Oscar for that, didn't they? For, for sound. sound yeah. For sound. Yes. And um, there's a rumor of uh, subliminal image, imagery introduces special effects. They say they use the Pazuzu face 
in, instead of uh, makeup of actress Aline Diaz, claiming that the safety padding on the bedpost was shaped to cast phallic shallows on the wall and that a skull face was superimposed on Ma Father Marion's breath clouds. Anyway, the ending title sequence of first major production title designer Dan Perry in Success of the Exorcist Perry went on to design the opening titles for a number of major films, including Taxi Driver, Star Wars, and The Gangs of New York. Well, I will be. All right, we are going to talk ourselves right now about a few things. You want to talk about the performances? Sure. All righty, let's go down the list to the cast. Uh, how about Ellen Burstyn as Chris McNeil? What did you think? Oh, just, just started out seeming all wholesome and just had that little dirty mouth going on at times. It was just, it was just deliciously fun. Yeah, she, she, she did a very, very good job. What about Max von Sydow as the old elderly priest? I thought he was very good. He um, The power of Max compels you, yes. <laughs> I mean, you know, okay, you got to take this into consideration. He was only 41 when he filmed that. Are you serious? I'm serious. He just died recently. He's um. Oh my gosh! So did Cobb. they? Was that makeup here. work they did on him? That was him? makeup work they did on him. Wow. They didn't have CGI back then. Yeah, he was born in 1929. He was um when they started filming it. He was 43. I'm quite impressed. I did not mm -hmm. actually know. I'm quite impressed by that. What about Lee J. Cobb as the old detective? They're, they're, I gotta say, he brought a sort of unexpected levity, if that makes any sense. Yeah, he, I, th I thought that he 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 was he did the job he was supposed to do. He he played it very much like a TV, like I said, Columbo. He right. played very much like a a TV detective he of the era, you know. Kind of breezed in. I mean, even though he's talking about heavy stuff, it kind of lightened it up a little bit. All right, uh, Kitty Wynn as Sharon. She, that was almost like a phone-in part from what I saw, you know. I mean, anybody could I mean, it fit where it needed to fit. Yeah. Now, Jack McGrawin, old Burt, Burt uh, Dennings. The oh. little foul mouth. He has only has like two scenes, but both of them are memorable. Entertainment. And you know what was really... Pure entertainment. He died, like, before the film was even oh, released. Oh, shit. So did the old lady that played Karis's mother. She died before the film was released. Right. And the old lady in the beginning of Iraq, the 105-year-old woman. Oh, yeah. She died before the film was released. All right, Jason Miller. He... I say this the correct way. No, this is good. What I want to say, I would say of all the actors, his reactionary acting to everyone else yeah, it was, was so method. good. Yeah, it was so good. I mean, he he draws you. I think he brought the humanity to the piece, mm -hmm. unlike anyone else. Yeah. And you know, um, the the next one. And, and then I'm going to talk about the Oscar thing after, but Linda Blair, Reagan. Oh, huh. honey, li <laughs> Linda Blair gives me life! Because <laughs> your mom sucks cocks in hell! Oh, <laughs> even though that wasn't her, no. even though that was a sound editing voice, it's still just a mannerism for her to do well, that. I'm going to tell you a little something, and it's funny. This happened twice in history. Linda Blair was beat by another child, Tatum O'Neill in Paper Moon, who was wonderful. But she didn't have to go through any of the rigor and, 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 and stuff that Linda and Blair did. you want to know what else? I really thought that Linda Blair... We ain't... We, honestly, not to put Tatum O'Neill down, but people will never forget forget Linda Blair. As the, the Linda Blair in The Exorcist will live on. Now, this happened again 20 years later with Kirsten Dunst for an interview with the vampire. She was nominated for the Best Supporting Actress, but Anna Paquin won... For the piano. And then, like, Anna Paquin's like, uh, but Kirsten Dunst, you all remember. Anna Paquin's awesome now as an adult with True Blood and everything. Yeah. But 
she was kind of, I don't know. Kirsten Dunst should have won that one. Yeah. An Interview with oh, Vampire is a movie we will be covering soon. Oh, yes, honey. All right. Now, what else do we have to talk about on this movie? Anything? Are we good? Uh, so did we go? Oh, also, um, let's see. What did we, other than some of the importance of things, we, um, did we have any other production? And it had, did actually win, also did win the Academy Award for Best Adapted. Uh, I think we talked about the writing, but it actually won the award for adapt. What we the call, best adapted. Well, it's what we would yeah. call adapted screenplay nowadays. It had a many, a lot of nominations. It should be. Okay. And at that point, we were had to go look it up. The reason it couldn't get makeup is the makeup award didn't come around to 1982. I had to go look this up. I was like, why did this not get an award for makeup? Well, it's because are, the Oscar for makeup was not created until 1982. These are some of the, the some of the nominees. It was uh, nominated for Best Picture, for the Oscars, Best Picture, Best Director, William Freakin, Best um, Best Actress, Ellen Burstyn, Best Supporting Actor, Jason Miller, and Best Supporting Actress, Linda Blair. It won for Best Screenplay based on material from another medium. It, uh, it was nominated for Best Art Direction, Best Cinematography, which it should have won, and Best Film Editing. And the Golden Globes, it... Um, Ellen Burstyn was nominated for, uh, you know, Best Actress in the Motion Picture, and Max Van was nominated for Best Actor in the Motion Picture. Best Supporting Actress in the Motion Picture, Linda Blair won the Golden Globe. Best Director, William Freakin won, and Best uh, um, best Screenplay, Motion Picture, William Peter Vladi won. And it won his Best Drama, Motion Picture Drama. In uh, most promising newcomer, uh, Linda Blair was only nominated. I think Hayden O'Neill had gotten that one. I know, and and another thing too. How does the Sting win over this movie? Who even watches the Sting anymore? <laughs> think of it. If people do talk about this, they looking back. The Exorcist has lived on more than the Sting ever ever would have. The Sting was in its moment what it was. It was kind of like one of those things. It sits as like a capsule in that time. But it doesn't... It wasn't even really original casting because Paul Newman and Robert Redford had right. done Butch Cassidy and the Sundance right. before, which is much more bigger and much more remembered and much more of a classic than The Sting. Right, exactly. You know? So the best thing, before I get into the importance of the exorcist on culture, I do want to say something why the best sound Oscar is so important. Because when you watch this movie, the, the, the layering of the voices, the sound effects, the growls, all of this trying to layer this on one visual character and actually make it, make it real and compelling to the audience for that time in the early 70s was quite a bit of sound work. Yeah, and you And know, it may not seem like the kind of sound work like when somebody does, say, a war film or an action film, but it's important sound work. Because getting those vocals to look like they're coming from Linda Blair's body and to layer that yeah. just right on the frame... That's not exactly well, easy. It was a lot of work. This is a very, very ambitious production. I think a lot of people were freaked out by the subject matter there. Well, a lot of people thought it was sacrilegious. And back then, people were a whole lot more hung up about religion and a whole lot more, um, you know, they, 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 they didn't take a whole lot of liberties with religion. Religion was like, it was literally sacred. You didn't, and, and this 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 slaughtered a few sacred cows, you know. It did. I mean, it did. I mean, it, so for the time now, if this movie would be made today, and that's a, another thing too, the Academy doesn't like horror films either. They they like foreign films, and they like they like disease of the week films, as I, as I call them. You know, they they, they like. The dying grandmother that everybody comes back together, you know, and they love anything with Meryl Streep, whether it's good or bad. And not to be dissing Meryl Streep, I love Meryl Streep, but she did win and get nominated for some things that she, re I mean, she really shouldn't have gotten nominated for She Devil. Come on, you know. <laughs> but sometimes horror films are the ones that actually show where our society is sitting. But that, yeah, but the, the thing is, is that. The academy is snooty. Oh, they are. They are. They are. And they, and now they're into this 
woke, politically correct stuff where they feel like they have to award it to an African-American, even if there's a Caucasian actor that was more deserving. They have to award it to any kind of person of color or anything like that. They, they're so afraid of not being, you know, not being woke that, that, it's that that's what they're going for. You understand what I'm talking about, right? And they yeah. might stop, and they might stumble on themselves a little bit with that because sometimes when now I do appreciate that they are nominating with more diversity. I do appreciate yeah. that, but sometimes you're looking when they're pushing to try to get whatever to say, "Oh, we did this." Sometimes we're seeing that they may nominate two people of the same race but they may actually award it to the wrong person of that race so they may have, they may nominate two African Americans but it's going to the wrong but one the thing, and then the, the thing, right one another problem or they give I it, have it or they give it for the wrong role like look in the sense of what happened if we look back in history poor Whoopi Gold even though I love that she when she won her thing she really deserved it for color purple yeah and she didn't get it for color purple no and that's that's kind of the, what I mean about the stumbling yeah. is, if they would do the right thing when it's meant to be done, it would be more respected than the trying to just stumble over yourself. And and I know some people I I know I even have some friends out there who may be like, well, why you're saying it a win is a win? I'm like, yeah, but it should have been the right win from the get go. Like okay, another example, a year before this. Both Diana Ross for Lady Sings the Blues exactly. and Liza Minnelli were, uh, were nominated, and Cicely Tyson. Either Cicely Tyson, or, uh, Cicely Tyson, or Diana Ross were both much more deserving than Liza Minnelli for that. But they didn't. They didn't like back then. They were afraid they were going to upset the bigots in the South. So now we don't care about the bigots in the South, but they're just giving it to anybody. You know what I mean? And uh, but but like this, uh, the Oscars are not always right, and they really dropped the ball on this year. First of all, with the support actress Linda Blair should have gotten it, not Tatum O'Neill. Uh, Tatum O'Neill, I love you. You were great in that movie. You were really nice when I met you in New York on the set on because <laughs> I met her in New York and she was really really sweet on the movie on the set of um, what is that TV show? Rescue Me. Yeah, I did. Yeah. So so talking about the importance of. The going back to the Exorcist and when this came out, and we'd already we've looked at the Omen, we've looked at Rosemary's Baby, but what's so important about the Exorcist is it actually highlights in the mind how we how are we truly going to deal with evil? Yeah, more than the other two movies, it really yeah. looked at, and it was also saying how is society going to handle this up ahead? You know, kind of deal. Yes, there's, you got to look at it as entertainment. There's definitely hits and misses. But it was definitely sparked the right conversation. Yeah, it was. And it influenced so much horror films after. Yeah. Anytime you look at an exorcism scene in any movie now, anytime you look at demonic possession, you have to go back and be like, the exorcist was the start of that influence. Yes. So, yeah, The Conjuring and Sidious all those movies. All, all, go, all have to credit Exorcist for what it brought. All righty. You can follow us on Twitter at abarrymarino5. I hate that, <laughs> that damn address for Twitter. <laughs> and you can email us at openshutters, uh, at yahoo at openshutters.com. Um, uh, Instagram for both podcasts is open sh- at openshutterspodcast. And um, a face, we have a new Facebook page. The pa- uh, Facebook is open. To go- Shutters goes to the movie. Our new Facebook group. Join today. We want you. We love you. So, we're, we're going to take a short break. And then we're going to record our regular episode. We're covering the Night Stalker, Richard Ramirez. Yes. So until then, enjoy the view of the open screen. The silver screen. (laughs) The open screen. Enjoy the view of the silver screen.
<laughs> but don't make it your final credit. Bye-bye. <laughs>